Welcome to the Bridge Podcast, where faith takes the center stage and we journey together towards spiritual growth. Join us as we explore the bridge between God's Word and everyday life. It's time to tune in, connect, and embark on a meaningful and inspirational journey with us. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. or check out our webpage at thebridgeumc.org. Scripture reading is from Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, the man, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the Beautiful Gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at, at them eagerly, expecting some money. Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood up, stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking, leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Chris. Thank you very much. Well, my name is Bill. (laughs) Have you got that yet? My name is Bill. And I'm a retired United Methodist pastor, and uh, I've been attending this church probably... Well, since March, maybe? I don't know. Um, Last week, though, the bishop was here, right? And he went long. Did you notice that? Now, maybe you didn't notice that because you had a potluck afterwards and you were all waiting for the chicken to get here, right? You know? But he went long, and I want to assure you that I'm going to try my very, very best to get you out in time for the football game, all right? Uh, Okay. The bishop also asked you to do something. Do you remember what that was? What did the bishop ask you to do? Bring someone? Uh, Okay. I thought he said invite someone. How many of you this week invited somebody? Don't raise your hand. Well, well, okay. Raise your hand if you want. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And and I'm not asking if they're here or not. Okay. Okay. Because that's a different thing, right? We have to understand this is a kind of a process. It's a building a relationship. It's building trust, you know. But I also want to keep us accountable. He asked us to invite someone. And so that's part of what we should be doing. This church, I want you to know, is bucking the trend. We have been a church for like a minute right? Well, okay, maybe it's a few months, but if you think back a year ago, did any of you think a year ago that you would be starting a new church? Did any of you that started attending here, maybe you weren't in the startup group, but that started attending here, did you think you were going to be attending a new church? And I know the road's been kind of bumpy. I was talking about that this morning, you know, We meet in a grade school, but I want to tell you, I am fascinated that at the end of service, 
as Tom might say, in body or in heart, we all pick up our chairs, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, in most churches, everybody, when the service is over, they bolt for the doors and they're gone. Here, we line up in front of chair racks, you know, and this is how we do, you know, this is what we do. And it also reminds me that some very, very gracious souls set this all up before I even got here. All right, let's give them a yes. Amen. We are a new church. And because of that, we are bucking the trend. We are currently in the middle of the largest and fastest religious shift in the history of this country. For the first time in the eight decades that Gallup has been tracking and measuring uh, American religious memberships, there are more adults in the United States that do not go to church than do go to church. Wow. We're in the minority. If you're here today, you're a minority. More people have left the church in the past 25 years. Now, you don't think, oh, it's pandemic, right? 25 years, that's 1990s, right? More people have left the church in the past 25 years than new people who became Christians in the First Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, and the Billy Graham Crusade combined. That's a problem. But every problem is also an opportunity. Most of the people, most of the people, the, the one, even the ones that I invited this week, right? The, most of the people who do not attend church claim to be spiritual. They believe, they just don't go to church. Now last week, Bishop Beard did a great message on the lost, and I think he meant all of us, right? You know, it just it wasn't, you know, it was everybody's lost, you know? Uh, but here's the interesting thing. The, the community that's not going to church, they're still searching. They're searching for somewhere where love and compassion are considered good things, where love and compassion remain the, the major motivator for people's actions. Our task is to re-engage those spiritual people. Our task is to engage those spiritual people that ne may never have ever heard about Jesus. You see, we have a gospel, and gospel, by the way, means good message. You know that, right? We have a good message that is true and good and beautiful. Jesus is making all things new. And what that means is he's working for redemption. He's trying to redeem. He's trying to transform the entire world. And, and his work means that everything that's broken, do you think the world's broken now? Everything that's unjust, do you think there's injustice in the world? Everything that's evil and wicked is going to be redeemed and it's going to be renewed. And it's become, the world become just and good and whole again. That is a good message. That is what folks are looking for. It's what they crave. 
Christians should understand that love, compassion, justice, and wholeness are the things that ultimately fulfill us. And that is exactly what Jesus offers. So how do we engage with people who have left or rejected the church? Well, the solution Jesus himself gives us, we become incarnational. That big word, right? What does it mean to live incarnational lives? Well, being incarnational means loving and caring about the things that God loves. And God loves this lost and broken world and all the people that are in it. It, it, Being incarnational means you follow Jesus. Being incarnational means tapping into the Holy Spirit for the power to bring God's kingdom here. I've heard people say that they believe in a uh, source, you know, a a creator of such behind all of life because life is so complicated and probable that there must be a designer. There must be. However, they have trouble believing that God is close, that God can be close to them, that they can experience God. They have trouble believing God as a human in the flesh. Well, God as a human in the flesh is exactly what Christians believe Jesus is all about. We are the only religion that believes such a wonderful and confusing thing. You know, and it is central to our worldview and our purpose. Jesus was God incarnate. He was in the flesh, living among us on earth. He taught us about God's love and compassion so so we would be fulfilled. And then Jesus died. He was killed on the cross. On the count of three, everybody say, oh no. You ready? One, two, three. Oh no. It was a big oh no, right? And it's confusing. If, God, if Jesus is God, how could we kill him? How could we kill God? And yet Jesus died. When Jesus died on the cross, he ceased to be on earth in the flesh. So how is this Jesus movement that he began going to continue? Jesus is gone. He's dead. Then Jesus was resurrected. We believe Jesus was resurrected so nothing could separate us from the, from the love of God. Not sin, not guilt, not our past, not our present, not our future. Not even death could separate us from the love of God. Great. On the count of three, everybody say, go Jesus. Are you ready? One, two, three. Go Jesus. Absolutely. Now, can you imagine how those first disciples felt? First, they had to be crushed, devastated that Jesus had died. That's a big oh no. Then they had to be elated when Jesus was resurrected. That's that's the go Jesus, right? Great, you're back. Let's go. And after the resurrection, Jesus hung around for about six weeks. And then on a mountaintop in Galilee, he gave his disciples a few more words. And then he floated up into the clouds. Wait, what? Wait, what's going on here? I thought that the resurrection meant that Jesus was back in the saddle again. 
I thought that, that, that Jesus would continue to spread his ministry on earth. And now Jesus is gone again. The book of Acts tells us that the disciples are standing there. They're kind of gawking up at the clouds, you know. And then two angels appear to them in white. And the angels said, why do you stare looking, why do you stand here looking up at the sky? Jesus isn't up there. Jesus isn't gone. Jesus is out there. You've seen what Jesus did. Now go and join Jesus in doing what Jesus does. Be incarnated. Being a Christian means living in such a way that the grace and truth of God's love and compassion continue to be present in the world through you. Now I'm going to repeat that because a lot of people will give you a definition of what Christianity is. You know, you got to follow Jesus. You got to do this. You got to be that. You got to know your Bible. You got to do that, right? You know, or they, they might even have a definition of what isn't Christianity. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. You can't be a Christian and do that, right? This is the definition of Christianity. Living in such a way that the grace and truth of God's love and compassion continue to be present in the world through you. For Christians to be effective, we are called to do the things that Jesus did. So what had Jesus done? Well, Jesus was a friend to sinners. Now, what does that mean? Well, Jesus hung out with people who were on the outside. People who have been excluded. People who other people had told, you don't belong. People who thought, I'm done for. I'm condemned. That's who Jesus hung out with. So, we should make friends with sinners, those kinds of sinners, right? People on the outside, the marginalized, the people on the fringes, the people that have been excluded, the people that feel like they don't belong. Jesus entered into beautiful, life-giving, transformational conversations with people. We should have beautiful, life-giving, transformational conversations with people. Jesus listened with grace as people told him their story. We should listen with grace to others as they tell us their story. Led by the Holy Spirit, Jesus proclaimed in word and in deed that the kingdom of God is near. Led by the Holy Spirit, we need to share in word and deed how Jesus has affected our lives and how he can affect everyone's lives, bringing the kingdom of God near. If you would ask those first disciples what it was like to follow Jesus, I think they would probably answer it pretty differently than than us. They might say Jesus was always testing our faith and our motivations. He took us to places we wouldn't have gone by ourselves. We became friends with the people we hated before. And looking back, they would say it was the most transformational process 
you could ever imagine. I'll never be the same. Those first disciples would say, we incarnated God. Living incarnationally, living God's grace and truth so God's glory will be seen in the world isn't just about hearing the word and trying to be good. That's part of it. But it isn't the whole thing. Living incarnationally is about God breaking into the darkness around us, bringing light. The light that, that brings life. Yes, this, this church has been a church for a hot minute, right? However, many of you participated in an incarnational time as either a giver or receiver of the love of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Remember 10 years ago? 10 years ago, a tornado ripped through this community. 10 years ago, volunteer electricians hooked up a, a donated caterpillar generator and and a building became a beacon of light in a community that was darkened by the storm. More importantly, and I want you to understand this, more importantly, many of you were incarnational. Many of you were God in the flesh. You were handing out water. You were cooking and serving meals. You were cleaning up and helping others clean up. You were offering rest. You were helping gather memories along with belongings. And you listened with grace as people told you their stories. Some of you here might have been on the receiving end of that. You received the love of Jesus in real and practical and incarnational ways. Church is about people. You hear me? Church is about people of faith living incarnationally, bringing the light of Jesus in those dark moments. Our scripture that Chris read for us this morning, taken by itself, is a pretty good story, you know? I mean, a man that was lame, he's, he's now walking, you know, go Peter, go John, yeah, let, let's go, right? However, Peter and John were among those gawkers as Jesus ascended into the clouds. They had both deserted Jesus and denied him as he was being crucified. They'd gotten scared. They ran away. They left the church. They didn't see the point in following Jesus anymore. Jesus appeared to be gone. But now, at the beginning of this story, this is post-death, post-resurrection, which, by the way, we are, right? And you think, well, that was Peter and John. We are just like them. Peter and John now are living incarnationally. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they healed the man. And the Bible tells us people could not imagine what had happened. Peter and John, the scaredy cats, are now boldly proclaiming, we don't have silver or gold or a building but we will give you what we have. Get up and walk in the name of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I want me some of that, right? Right? I mean, whatever Peter and John had, that's some good stuff. Would you question God's existence if you could witness God's glory so dramatically? Think back 10 years ago. When you were acting incarnationally, did you question God's existence when you were working 
incarnationally? Would you find it hard to make a decision between your own desires and God's desires if the Holy Spirit would transform your situation right before your eyes? Would, would you be bolder if those things happened? This is the power of incarnation and the resurrection and the Holy Spirit. Incarnation continues in the world all around us and in us and through us. If we're going to live like God's kingdom come, then we have to live like Jesus is alive and working in the world. So how do you do that? Again, it's, it's, it's one thing for me to stand up here and say, be incarnational, right? It's one thing to say that. It's another thing to explain how. And I gave you a little hint before. I said, be friends with sinners, with those that are outside, those that seem to be disenfranchised. Have wonderful conversations. Listen. Listen to stories. And share. But how do you share? Well, in their book, Why Nobody Wants to Be Around Christians Anymore, that is actually the title of the book. Isn't that a great title? You know? <laughs> Why Nobody Wants to Be Around Christians Anymore. Tom and Joni Schultz write this. One of the most fulfilling skills you can have uh, that you can hone as a Christian is watching for and sharing what God is doing in your life and the lives of the others around you. Now, I'm going to say that again. One of the most fulfilling skills you can hone. This isn't a spiritual gift. You can't say, well, I don't have that gift. I don't know. It's a skill. It's a skill you can learn about, hone. And what is the skill? It's watching watching for and sharing what God is doing in your life and in the lives of those around you. Sharing your personal God sightings. That's what we're going to call them, God sightings. God sightings, right? I see God in you. And that's a way that we can experience God in the flesh, incarnate. You know, it's hard to have a relationship with a dead historical figure. Which a lot of people out there say, well, that's just Jesus. He's a dead historical figure, right? It's much easier to have a relationship with a living God who shows up through people and the events in your life. God's sightings are a way for us to see and share God in action all around us. And anyone can do this from preschoolers to great-great-grandparents. The problem is, it's so easy for us to miss those moments. Let me give you an example. This isn't exactly biblical. I'm, I'm praying over here that this works, okay? <laughs> you, you, you're telling me it is. It isn't quite biblical, but it's fun. And if you've seen this video before, don't spoil it for anybody else, but pay close attention because there will be a test at the end. Let's watch monkey business illusion. Count how many times the players wearing white pass the ball.
The correct answer is 16 passes. Did you spot the gorilla? For people who haven't seen or heard about a video like this before, about half missed the gorilla. If you knew about the gorilla, you probably saw it. But did you notice the curtain changing color or the player on the black team leaving the game? Let's rewind and watch it again. Here comes the gorilla, and there goes a player, and the curtain is changing from red to gold. When you're looking for a gorilla, you often miss other unexpected events. And that's the monkey business illusion. But tell the truth, how many of you saw the gorilla the first time? Okay, all right. How many of you saw the curtain change colors? And how many of you knew that the, one of the black shirt team members left? Yeah, okay, well, good for you. It said about half, and I think we're... <laughs> you didn't see any of it. <laughs> I, I will admit, the first time I saw it, I did not either. Uh, and I think I came up with 17 passes instead of 16, so I was really bad. And that was fun, but I want, to, I want you to think about this. This happens day in and day out to Christians. We miss God waltzing through our lives. We miss God changing the colors of our situations. And we miss God moving things around. We need to be on the lookout for God's sightings. Once you notice God in action, you will see God everywhere. I guarantee you that when you see that video again, you're going to see a gorilla. When you see God in action, you'll start seeing God in action everywhere. And when you do, it's, it's easy to bring God up into a conversation, not as doctrine or, or biblical quotes or whatever, but as a real-life example of God revealing himself in life, incarnate. God is here breaking into the darkness around us and bringing light. You know, more than ever, this culture is squeezing out God. They're squeezing God out of life, and we must live incarnationally. We must practice divine anticipation, you know? You get up every morning, and you should say, where am I going to see God today? I know I'm going to see, I know I'm going to see God today, right? I know I'm going to see God. So practice that. God's presence and action is all throughout our lives. God is amazing and incredible and wonderful. And when you see those God sightings, share them. Share them with the other people around you. Make it known to other people around you. Let's pray. Gracious God, as we... Uh, as we sit here, we, we often come to church and we feel your presence. Oh my gosh, this, the music this morning just made our hearts swell and, 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 and we felt it. We saw God in the children that came forward and, and that are among us. We see God in the smiles of the faces around us.
we also see God all around the world. Lord, help us to recognize when you're present. Help us to share your presence with other people. Help us to live incarnational lives. In Jesus' name we pray.